Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, welcome back to Stand Strong in the Word. I'm Jason Jimenez. So glad that you have tuned in today. Thanks again for just being a part of this ministry. We're here to teach you and hopefully your family the Word of God. And so right now we're going through a chronological reading of the Gospel accounts. And so today we enter your favorite, I'm sure, the genealogies. Now you may be wondering, what on earth? Are you serious? Yes, we have to touch. Remember, all scriptures inspired by God. But I guarantee the most of you listening have probably never studied the genealogies. And you may be wondering, when was the last time I actually read through the genealogies? And I guarantee you probably never had a pastor who gave a series on the genealogies. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to read through Matthew 1 and Luke chapter 3. Those are the genealogies of Jesus Christ and bore you and also prevent me from butchering a lot of these names. Okay, so... We're relieved with that. But what I am going to do is I want to touch on something that's very important. See, here on the podcast of Stand Strong in the Word, uh, as we go through the teaching of God's Word, I also want to train you apologetically. What that means is I'm going to be bringing in and inserting some objections that people have in the culture today, skeptics or atheists, as to why they believe the Bible isn't true. So when you come to the the genealogies, there are many skeptics and liberal scholars and people out there that deny not only the validity, but that the Bible course clearly was inspired by God because they say the genealogies in Matthew 1 and Luke 3 are contradictions. So is that true? Well, I would say that these are apparent contradictions. They are saying they're contradictions because when you read through them, they say that they oppose one another. One says one thing while the other says another thing, and they both can't be true at the same time in the same sense, and therefore the Bible isn't true. Now, before I dive into those things and we examine those objections to the context of Scripture, let me just say this. Genealogies, although we don't necessarily do Bible studies surrounding them, hear sermons about them, and read books about them, they are important for various reasons. And one of the major importance to genealogies is the fact that they explain they give us, just like any of us have a family tree, when you kind of go back into your family uh, life, um, the people who've gone before you, when you get into your grandparents and your great-grandparents and, and, and even your great-great-grandparents, if you can even go that far. I mean, just recently, my son was actually, for one of his homework assignments, had a family tree, and he had to go back three generations on both sides from my family and his mom's family, and I was struggling trying to figure out maiden names and things like that. So what's pretty cool, though, about the gospel accounts is in Matthew and Luke, we give they give us the genealogies of Jesus, and they go back centuries. And this is so amazing. So we don't want to just skip through this like we tend to do and jump into something that's more meaty or more meaningful and try to get some life application. Okay, so... Genealogies are important because they give us historical validation. Okay, so that's the main reason why we're going to jump into this. But the another, the second reason in, for the time here on the podcast is to focus on these apparent contradictions. Okay, so as I mentioned before, 
people are saying that these two accounts that we have here in Matthew 1, specifically Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17, and Luke chapter 3, verses 23 through 38, they say they don't add up. So when you come to these genealogies, they say Matthew uh, and Luke contradict one another when you're laying out the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Now, this can be refuted or rebutted, if you will, right off the bat. And here's how. When you do take Matthew and you do take Luke, they're not contradicting one another. They're two different genealogies. They take two different approaches, two different lines that ultimately do lead to Jesus Christ. You say, well, Jay, that sounds like a contradiction. No, it isn't. And I'm going to show you in a minute. But think about this way. There are multiple ways to get to a destination, right? There's not just always just one way. How many times have we taken different ways to get home? Okay, and that's what Matthew does, and that's what Luke does. So, for example, Luke's genealogy starts out at uh, focusing on Adam, and he goes to David, while Matthew's genealogy starts at Abraham, and you know, go back to Genesis 12 and 15, the covenant that God had with Abram, and he goes to David, according when you look at Second Samuel chapter 7, his royal line. So, when the genealogies, again, coming from two different angles at two different starting points, when the genealogies arrive at David, they split with David's son. So, for example, Mary's side in Luke comes from Nathan, and Solomon's side, Joseph's side, that is, in Matthew, takes that approach. Okay, so we see that there's two different starting points, but then it comes to a roadblock, and one decides, in this case, Luke, decides to take the path of Nathan, the son of King David, on Mary's side, and, 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 and Matthew takes... Solomon, the son of David, which is representing Joseph's side. So when you look at some of these differences, for example, Matthew gives Joseph's father as Jacob in Matthew 1, verse 16. And it says, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, is called Christ. So Matthew gives Joseph's father as Jacob, while Luke gives Joseph's father as Heli. Now you may be wondering, why does Matthew start off uh, looking at Abraham, while Luke starts off by looking at, uh, um, or Luke starts off at Adam, and and Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham. You think, well, why on earth do they do that? Well, what's important is we're looking at some of these differences, is because Matthew is the royal line of Joseph's side, which means, and this is important, always put things in the proper context. Matthew's writing to a Jewish audience. I mean, stop and think about this. How many times, like if you've played a sport or if you have a certain client, there's a certain appeal or even a friendship. There's a certain way that you present yourself. You know, you're not so so much uptight or distant or removed or quiet or reserved with certain people. Others you are. So Matthew had the liberty as a Jew knowing as he sat down inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a gospel account of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, he's writing to the Jewish people, his people. And so what he wants to show, and if you remember in one of our podcasts before, we talked, we kind of highlighted not just the audience and when the gospels were dated, but also looking at the focal point, the main theme. And in Matthew's gospel, his main thing is Jesus is the king of the Jews, okay? So he's he comes off talking right off the bat on Joseph's side, 
He wants to show us the genealogy that represents Jesus Christ as king. So he does that to the Jews. Now, when you do, when you look at, um, and we're, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of break that down in a, in a minute. But when you look at the Luke account, this is the Leverot line, which is Mary's side. You say, what's the Leverot line? It means is that there was a law in the Old Testament uh, for the woman who was married with a man, if he died and they did not fulfill the commandment to have sons to carry on his line, they would have to find someone else to provide that line. Now, what Luke focuses on, and remember, he's writing to Theophilus, He's writing to a general audience. He's writing to the Gentiles. He's writing to the world. So let's let's look at some of these differences and see how each one approaches this. And, and, and again, solidifying the fact that the genealogies recorded in Matthew and Luke are two different ones, but arrive at Jesus Christ. Therefore, they don't contradict. So look at, for example, as I mentioned before, Matthew gives Joseph's father's Jacob while Luke gives Joseph's father as Halai, in Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Halai. Now, Matthew traces the line through David's son, Solomon, in Matthew 1, verse 6, while Luke traces the line through David's son, Nathan, in Luke chapter 3, verse 31. In fact, between David and Jesus... The only names that we see within these two accounts in Matthew chapter 1, verse 12, and Luke chapter 3, verse 27, are two similar names, or the same names, Shatil and Zerubbabel. But you know what? They're not the same people. So, again, taking different lines because there's different approaches and different audiences, but arriving at Jesus Christ. So, let's take a little... Um, in, let's take a little um, time to focus a little bit on the introduction now to the Gospels of these uh, that record these genealogies. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Jesus is called the Son of David. Again, King. Remember Matthew, his whole theme is Jesus is King. So right off the bat, he says, Jesus is the, the Son of David. And not only that, but he says, he's the Son of Abraham. There it is. So G- Matthew, right off the bat, Jesus is king. Jesus is a Jew. He came from Abraham, therefore he's a Jew. And he came from the line of David, therefore he has royal blood. So Matthew gave Jesus' genealogy through his legal father, Joseph. Remember, not his biological, but his legal father, Matthew 1.16. And as he does that, he provides 41 generations in all that you can divide if you, if you open your text and you really say, I want to explore these genealogies a little bit more, Jay, because obviously I'm clearly just giving you guys just an overview and focusing on the fact that these genealogies are different, therefore they don't contradict. But you can divide these 41 generations in Matthew chapter 1 into three sections. And the cool thing is, is when you break them up and you're looking at it and seeing Matthew's mission, He is demonstrating that Jesus has a rightful place on the throne of David, and he shows why through his genealogy. But not only that, but if you read Matthew, it's pretty cool because you see how the gospel focuses on certain accounts and visions of Joseph, meaning as you continue on, he gets into some details about Joseph that Luke clearly does not get into. Okay, so when you look at 
when you look at Luke's genealogy, knowing that it stems from the line of Mary, he doesn't focus on other characters necessarily because one of the main characters he wants to focus in on is who? Is Mary. So you have the vision of Joseph in the book of Matthew and knowing the starting point and the focus of what what the writer of Matthew is doing here. And then you know you see this prayer that Luke or that Luke provides that Mary gave when she found out that she was going to give birth to the Savior. Isn't that pretty cool? Now I do for you technical people out there that kind of like to you know, focus in on the exegetical text and kind of go deeper and do some some proper hermeneutics. There is what was called the the Jeconiah problem, and a lot of times people point this out and they say, you know, here in Matthew chapter one verse twelve, and it says after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shatil, and Shatil the father of Zerubbabel, etc. And they think, well, you know, how, why would Matthew throw that in there? When Jeconiah was cursed, if you go back to Jeremiah chapter 22, verses 24 through 30, Jeconiah's father, or his family, it ended in this curse. Therefore, they would no longer have a rightful descendant who would take the throne. Okay, well, to answer that, to respond to that, Joseph, again, the legal father of Jesus, though he does come from the line of Jeconiah, and therefore leaving the line of Joseph disqualified to be king, but what does Matthew do? He What does he point on to? Jesus' ultimate father is the father in heaven. Therefore, he, had, he claims the right to David's throne by virtue of not just his adoption by Joseph, but because he's not, the Joseph's side is not the apparent heir, Jesus has it because of divine origin, which explains why Matthew mentions Jeconiah, but then proceeds again to write about the virgin account, stating that Jesus is not from the line of Joseph, but Mary's. So that's important of solidifying that issue with the Davidic line. And we can see that detail a little bit more in the Gospel of Luke. Now, let's jump to Luke real quick. As I mentioned, the, the, the Leverat line. We know how Matthew started off with him being the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice what Luke does. He says Jesus is called the son of Adam. Man, remember I told you that Luke was writing to the Gentiles to the to the world, and so he goes back to the human race. But not only that, but he also says he's not just the son of man, being fully man, born into the world through a woman. We're told in Scripture, but he is also the son of God. So Luke is focusing on the son of man. Remember that's the the, the theme. Matthew is the king, representing Jesus king. And Matthew and Luke, excuse me, refers to Jesus consistently as a son of man. So he really deals with a lot of his humanity. But right off the bat, he says he's not only fully man, he's fully God. Now, remember I told you there's 41 generations represented in Matthew. Guess how many generations that Luke records? 77 generations in total. Now, here's what's interesting. When you go look at the Leverat line, it's not about focusing primarily on women, uh, when you're listing a woman's family tree, it was against tradition to really do that because the Talmud stated that a mother's family is not to be called a family, so they focus on the on, on the male side. But this shows homage and respect um, to Mary, the mother of Jesus. But at the same time, not just omitting omitting uh, certain women, but Luke focuses strictly on the Jewish procedures, but still identifying the fact that this genealogy is in fact out of Mary's. 
because you notice the definite article the is missing from Joseph's name and all other names have a definitive article. Um, this is important in Greek because it means uh, that it's not the line of Joseph, but, but of Mary. So he's making, Luke is making that emphasis there. So that is really important. Now, I know sometimes this gets a little, you know, too much sometimes and get a little too confusing, but I really believe, and we want to challenge you through the study of God's word uh, here on Stand Strong in the Word, because we are, so many Christians are just kind of, they're just biblically literate. They just, when we're, we're dealing with a, a time and an era where less than 12% of Christians read the Bible every single day. So hopefully if you struggle reading the Bible or you kind of hear something mentioned here on YouTube or whatever about contradictions, hopefully that kind of gives you some insight that as you're just kind of listening through some of the things I'm talking about, the genealogies. But I do want to say one final point to kind of help um, you know, complete this whole discussion about the genealogies. And that I'm telling you that the, the purpose is to validate historically through the genealogy line that help that helps us understand that this uh, in fact occurred because we, we can trace back how, where Jesus came from. But what is the need for these two genealogies in the context of Jesus? Well, remember, after the kingdom was separated after Solomon, the kingdom of Judah, which is in the, the capital in Jerusalem, and the kingdom of Israel, which is the capital of Samaria, they had specific requirements. You remember Judah stated the king had to come from Davidic descent in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 9 through 15, and 2 Samuel chapter 7. That was Judah. Now, Israel stated the king had to come from prophetic or divine appointment. If you go through the book of 1 Kings, you will see that. So, the genealogies not only give us validation historically where Jesus came from, but there were certain requirements that we need to understand that Judah had, according to Isaiah and 2 Samuel chapter 7, as well as Israel had from prophetic or divine appointment, as we certainly see laid out within 1 Kings. Now, to bring this whole thing first full circle, I love what this Christian writer had to say regarding the genealogies, and I just want to provide this summary you know, to eliminate any type of confusion or questions that you may have. And any questions you have listening to Stand Strong in the Word, we'd love to receive uh, your questions, your comments, your emails. You can always send an email at info at standstrongministries.org. We'd be glad to interact with you and answer any questions you may have. But notice what this Christian writer says. He says, quote, One interesting commentary points out that by beginning with Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, Matthew's genealogy shows the relationship of Jesus to all Jews. He is their Messiah. This coincides with the overarching theme and purpose of the book of Matthew to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. On the other hand, the overriding purpose of the book of Luke is to give a precise record of the life of Christ as the perfect human Savior. Therefore, the genealogy of Luke traces all the way back to Adam, demonstrating the relationship of Jesus Christ to all of mankind. He is the savior of the world, end quote. Well said. So hopefully today you got an understanding of not just the purpose of why we have the genealogies, but the next time somebody says, hey, well, the Bible isn't true because, you know, Luke says one thing about the life and the the genealogy of Jesus Christ and, and Matthew says something that contradicts it. Hopefully you'll be able to explain to them that they're two different generations or uh, excuse me, genealogies, but they lead to Jesus Christ. And here's why, because Matthew's approaching the Jews while Luke was approaching the Gentiles to all of mankind. And you see that right off the bat, how they explain 
from st- their starting point. So I hope this has been helpful to you to understand the differences between these genealogies. And also that if you have had discussion or you yourself have had questions trying to reconcile the differences and the, quote, apparent contradictions within the genealogies, this has been helpful for you. You know, I want to make one final point to you in, in the process of, of going through the chronological reading of, of the Gospels. There are going to be things that are going to be very challenging, and there are going to be things that are going to be very frustrating um, when you're looking at them. And so I want you guys to know that if you have any questions about anything that we talk about here on the Stand Strong in the Word podcast, that you can send me an email at info at org, and I will quickly, to the best of my ability, uh, respond to your emails and to your questions as soon as I can. And I want to thank you. I want And I want you to know that we appreciate you so much. If this, if this ministry, studying through God's Word, has been a blessing to you and is helping you grow in your faith and something that you can share with other people, and maybe you're going through with your family, uh, your own personal devotional time, whatever the case may be, if this is, ministry has been a blessing to you, we ask that you can that, that you would give, that you would prayerfully consider supporting the ongoing ministry of Stand Strong in the Word podcast. You know, we're trying to reach people, not just in America, but all over the world with God's Word. And one simple way to do that is teaching through God's Word uh, on this podcast. And so we, you, if you want to do that, if you feel so led to do that, I want to thank you in advance and just tell you I appreciate you so very much. And just pray for us as we pray for you. You know, many, throughout Scripture, many times Paul says, you know, for this reason, we have not stopped praying for you. We've, he says we continually ask God that he would fill you with the knowledge of God. And, and that's our prayer for you, is that you would continue to be filled with the knowledge of God. So you can go to standstrongministries.org and you can... You can send an email on our website. You can there's other resources that you can you can access there, but you can also click the support button right up there on the top, and you can give a contribution today. And one of the things we want to pray, uh, or that we should that that we've been really praying is that God would bring alongside of us monthly stand strong supporters. So if there's something you can give, big or small, every month to continue to expand and grow this ministry. Thank you for doing that. I'll see you next time on Stand Strong in the Word. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.